Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Oh, no, he's shaking off the suds. Big mistake. This son of a is throwing a two-hit shutout. He's shaking me off. You believe that Charlie? Here comes the deuce. And when you speak of me, speak well. No, no, serve it up. Ball. I told him I was going to throw a deuce, right? Yep. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? In on Hit and Run on the Score, Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you for two more hours. So much to do, so little time. This hour is brought to you by Horowitz and Horowitz, Illinois' top personal injury lawyers. Joe, the bullpen for the Cubs has also been really, really good to go along with the starting pitching, which is now starting to do what it is supposed to do, what it is being paid so much money to do. Yes. It is starting to do its job. Montgomery, a big part of that. The bullpen's been so good. It's, you're going to need more arms. Oh, and Theo knows that. That that's no that's no secret. Well, and you, he's going to mention he's going to need two or three more guys. Yeah, and just like all the contending teams, you see yeah. this every single year. Unless you you aren't paying attention, remember what goes on. Oh, people are looking for arms to add to their mm-hmm. bullpen to load up because there are injuries, and the bullpen is. Close to as valuable starting pitching. Let's you can just, make the argument more valuable once you, once you get to the postseason. Well, it's the way it is now. Yep. That's just the way it is now. If you want to, I mean, we, we, we'll have a pace of play conversation later, but if you really, wanted to, you really wanted to speed up the game and you really wanted to create more action, limit the number of pitchers on a staff. Cap well, it. Cap it at, at 11. Cap it at 11. Then you know what happens? Yeah, let your starters pitch. And starters will learn how to pitch again. They won't go max effort from pitch one through pitch fifty. They'll learn how to pitch again. They'll learn how they will not show you every pitch in the first inning. That's been brought up but of, that's, of but, recent time. Just capping the number of pitchers that you can actually use in a game. Well, I and then you it serves the same I, purpose. I'm not a fan of that. I think that's manipulating then. But I mean if you were to if you were to fix the number of guys you could have on a staff well, now you have no choice but to some days just let a pitcher go out there and look, he's going to have to throw and he's going to have to take some abuse out there. You mentioned Theo and Jed and McLeod are, are having these conversations right now about Mike Montgomery, even though some think it's too early to, to have. And I don't think it is. This was the master plan to have this guy under control and in your rotation because You're supposed to be built- in the rotation last year. Yeah. Well, the way they built 2017. this team. 2017, they, he was supposed to be in the rotation. They decided to pay for a rotation. Well, you, They wanted somebody in there on a cheaper contract, and you have Montgomery under control for, what, three more seasons. And Jed Hoyer was on the other morning with Mully and Hanley, and my big takeaway from that conversation is what we always talk about. We'll make a decision when we have to make a decision. But the way he's pitching right now, if that continues, they'd like to keep him in the rotation. So at, at this point, if this keeps up, 
And, and Darvish had another bullpen on Friday. He's going to have another one this week. They said they said it was going to be extended, but it was 35 pitches, just a little bit more than the most recent bullpen. Um, and I'm not expecting him back until after the All Star break. But it doesn't sound to me he's at 30, like they're, they're going to pull him out. So the question yeah. is. Is Chatwood going to the bullpen, or are you going on a six-man for a little bit because you don't have many off days right now? But we'll have to wait and see yeah. when that decision needs As to be Andy made. As Andy McPhail said uh, many, many years ago, you never make a decision until you have to. And they don't have anything to talk about right now. Nothing to talk about right now. When it, I mean, in terms, of, in terms of making a decision. Lots to talk about behind the scenes. In terms of actually deciding, no, there's nothing to do right now. Yeah, Nothing to do. They, and if guys put you to a decision, that's a good thing. If Montgomery puts them to a decision, it's outstanding. If he pitches so well that he forces you to think about how you can manage this thing. He's, that, ar- he's already doing a, that. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's just it doesn't seem like he's ever going to get a fair shake, but maybe this time he'll leave them no choice. And you have a guy in your See. rotation that has a walk rate of 20%. Can I ask you a serious uh White Sox question? Joe. For real? Will you let me do that? I've been waiting. I've heard about it for an hour now. What's your take on that? <laughs> I don't know what the question is, Chris. Uh, talk about that. About that. Go ahead. <laughs> talk about that for a sec. <laughs> talk about what? White Sox? Let me ask you a question. Go, Barry. What is the question? I'm trying. This Jose Abreu thing. Sure. It's it's it, they're talking about having to make a decision. They're they're getting there. They're getting there. It is June seventeenth by my calculations, and I calculate that by simply <laughs> looking at my laptop and and noting the noting the date. Cause calculations. I have no idea ever. He was, like the, I, he was in the lab all night on that one, folks. I'd have been lucky if I got the month right. But I, by, by my calculations, it's June 17th. Yes, this is the date. Father's Day. Go ahead. Happy Father's Day, everyone. And that means you got about two weeks to seriously uh, have these conversations about what you're going to do. Because once it gets to, gets to July, people are going to want to know what your decision is. Are you moving, Jose Abreu? Are you are you willing to do this? What do you need in return? You you have um, written about this. We talked about it a lot last week about what you can get for a bat, a rental. But now he's got a year and two months. So if you're a really good team, that's two postseasons. He's a really good hitter. I mean, you know what he is? He's professional. I like that word. He's a professional hitter. He knows the situation. He knows how to hit. He's got great gap power. We don't talk it, about him going through really long stretches, not doing anything. But usually the we? start, usually the start of the year, pretty much not, every not year. Not recently, start of the year. though. Yeah, you're right. And you have a you have you have a call to make here, and it's not an easy one. And we've talked about it. We we won't go through all the qualifiers again. But he matters a lot in that clubhouse. So you got to make the decision on whether you think he's going to be a part of this. Let's say, what are we talking about? We're talking about 2020 as the year you hope to compete, mm-hmm. right? Is it is it uh, 2018? See, I did that when, calculation Once as his well contract is expired. looking at my laptop. When his contract's um, up. Exactly. 
So, is he going to be part of this? Yes or no? And if he's not, then now is the time. This July is when you got to trade him. Okay. See, if here's he, the pro- if here's he the is, if you're going to keep him, you're saying we know that in his 30s he's going to suffer a significant drop off, but we want him in this clubhouse and part of this thing. And if they did that, I think I would understand that. I think I think the case for it is understandable. But I gotta say, Joe, if it's me. I'm moving them if I can get a good haul if, because it's part of it's part of what we do. We're the White Sox. This is what we. This is our program right now. This is what we do. We maximize return on all of our assets. That's what we do right now. That's our program. We're going to continue to do that, and we're not varying from that. Even though we love this man, we're not varying from it. Yeah, we traded two of the best starting pitchers in White Sox history, right? To, to move forward with this program. And so now you're talking about Jose Abreu being here for 33, 34, 35, 36 years old. Maybe. Maybe. when you, Once you re-sign him. If he fits in your window. If he fits in your clubhouse. Here's the thing. Yeah, you, you need to make the decision heading into July. Trade him or not trade him. Trade him or not trade him. But you mentioned the word if. And then that's the huge word. What are you getting? It's... They can't say we're trading him no matter what. He's not on this team once we roll around to August. So we don't know what is going to be offered. We assume that the biggest haul will be Manny Machado. But I'm starting to wonder. You mentioned two postseasons for Abreu. Mm-hmm. And there is such a small window that you would have Manny Machado for. You have him, you're going to have him wherever he goes, you're going to have him for two months plus, plus your playoffs. It might be a wild card, it might be a DS. We don't really know. I'm leaning giving up less and having Jose Abreu for two years, which is what it would be. And you mentioned a professional hitter, professional at bat, DH or first base. And Manny Machado, you Please. probably have more, more options. I yeah, know you don't he, want him at first base. No, I, know, I don't. I know. I know. No, I don't. And he made one really nice play this week. Yes, he did. On a first to third, tag the bag, make the throw. It was a great play. It was a really professional play. There aren't many of those from Jose Abreu. Mostly bad. Mostly bad. Let's not pretend otherwise. Everyone likes to pretend otherwise, but it's not true. Okay, should they be should they be considering what are our options moving forward? Because they are in the mode of acquiring as much talent as possible. When they held the draft, they didn't draft positions. They were drafting the best players available. But in this instance, if you're willing to trade Jose Abreu, do they need to worry about who the first baseman will be? One, do they have one that can be a first baseman at the major league level in their pipeline? It's because I was looking at the free agents. What difference does it make, Hillary Clinton, if you're if if you don't have really a first baseman right now? What's it matter? Well, like, what's it matter? He's not a first baseman, so what's it matter? That's why I asked. Do you have someone that that can play first base? Well, whether for you? you do or not, it, it's not relevant to this discussion because he shouldn't be there anyway. And by the time he's thirty three, which well, is two it years, it doesn't from matter because you're not a winning ball club. You're is, really not even trying to. But win. two years from now, when you're competing and he's thirty three, you think he's going to be a better first baseman than he is? No, right he'll now? be worse. Okay, so it doesn't matter whether you think you have one now or not. You're still just acquiring talent. Period. But I'm saying that there aren't going to be options in free agency for you, either. 
because there there are guys under control and there are guys that are signed. Could in be, tw- in could 2020, be, Paul Goldschmidt will be a free agent. And he's the same age as Jose Abreu. Could be a burger. They, I mean, they don't even know. That's, that's they, why I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, they don't even know what position he's going to play. Brandon Belt don't know who's in 2022. Huh? Guy. Freddie yeah. Freeman. But that's, a, that's way down the road. Yeah. So who do you have that can be a first baseman? That's part of this conversation. Wait, Brandon you, you Belt. You don't think? like the idea of Brandon that, Belt. Four years from now. I mean, those are the best names. Why are you bringing it up and getting me excited about Brandon Belt if it's four years He's from now? He's the youngest one. Do you think uh, Rizzo flips side of town? No. 2020? <laughs> I don't think so either. Uh, Freddie Freeman will be, be Cubs, available Rizzo, in four Cubs years. Will, Cubs will resign. Of course he will. He's, he's going to be a lifetime Cub. Um, but but my point is there's, there's not a first baseman like you were pointing to Manny Machado a couple of years ago. Oh, there's a third baseman we can get in his prime. They're not going to have an option like that. So do you have That's one, or my, are you going to acquire a guy? If, is that a conversation? That's what I'm asking. If, if I'm Rick Hahn, that's, that, that concern, while valid, has nothing to do with the conversation regarding Jose Abreu because he can't be there two years from now anyway. So it's not relevant. You're acquiring talent, period. If the right deal comes along in terms of just you know stockpiling, then you make that deal. I don't and they're, think and they're, they're going to get the right okay. deal. I don't think okay. what based on what they think his value is for this specific team, mm-hmm. I I don't see someone rolling okay. in and giving them enough. Well, that's the question I was asking you before. And I'm answering it. Finally. Do you finally? Oh, I forgot. What? Go go ahead. No, go ahead. What? Go ahead. Ask your answer your own question. That was the question. Answer it. What do I think they will do? Oh my god! <laughs> I already answered that. What, Eli? Stop waving at me. Just saying hello. Um, we have to take a break. We have Shannon Dreyer coming up next. Let's try to figure out this Seattle Good. thing. Good. What? Good. <laughs> we have a break. You're just the worst. Thank God. Absolute worst. Whose idea was it for you to be on this show anyway? Every Sunday morning I wake up and I ask that question. You blame me. Like, this is the last place was, in the world I want to be right now. my idea. That's Joe Ostrowski. I'm Barry Rosner. Coming up next, we'll talk uh, just for a few minutes. Some Mariners baseball try to figure out how that thing is happening. An hit and run on the score. This atmosphere is incredible. I've never... I've never thrown in an atmosphere like this. I've never thrown in front of a crowd like this before. Something like that really, there's a couple times you have to step off and kind of take it in because you can get lost in it. That was awesome. That's the voice of the Mariners, Wade LeBlanc. This Mariners thing. This Mariners thing is impossible to understand. I'm Barry Rosner. That's Joe Ostrowski. This is Hit and Run on the Score. Since we don't get it, Joe... Let's find someone who does. Let's go out to the score hotline right now where we're joined by Shannon Dreher, Mariners reporter for 710 ESPN in Seattle. She's been covering the Mariners since 2003, which means she's not seen a playoff game. (laughs) And she can be found on Twitter at Shannon Dreher, and you can hear her right now on Hit and Run. Hey, Shannon, thanks for your time today. You had to bring that up. Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, all right, I wrote off the Mariners in spring training, mostly due to injuries and what looked like thin pitching. 
Cano goes down. I miss this badly. I don't get it. Explain, please, to me how this is happening. You know, I think there. I think it's it's a combination of things. I think um, part of it is is kind of they're in year three under Jerry Depoto and Scott Service, and when you look out on that field, it is now mostly Jerry Depoto's players that he has handpicked to fit into the system that he has that uses the analytics quite a bit. Uh, that is looking for a certain type of ball player. Um, and then you've got Scott Service, who when he first came into the Mariners organization, he'd never managed a game before in his life. Uh, it was, you know, he came from the front office of the Anaheim Angels. And you know, Jerry took a risk on him. The two were good friends, and he thought this guy would be a good guy to lead 25 guys through 162 games. And I think there were some bumps, some bumps in the road the first couple of years. But this year, when I look at that team, I think they really reflect what their manager is. He is the last guy in the room to panic about anything. He's completely inclusive with everybody in the clubhouse. It's a comfortable place for players to play. Uh, it's a comfortable place where, you know, you got Denard Span and Alex Colomay just a couple of weeks ago, and you look at them now in the clubhouse, you would think that they've been there for the full three years. So I, I think that's partly it. And then I think you look at what they're doing on the field right now. And uh, the main thing with this group is you don't have to do any more than what you're supposed to do. And the pressure is off. And a lot of that comes from the manager. But if you look at the lineup that they have out there and, and you've got Mike Zanino hitting ninth for you, who's got 11 home runs right now and can hit a 425 foot one at any time. There are no breaks in the lineup. You look at the top of the lineup with the pressure of D Gordon and Gene Segura. And if they get on base, what they can do, you've got Nelson Cruz, even without, Robinson Cano, you still have got a good amount of thump in the middle of that lineup, and you go down to six or seven, and Ryan Healy is well on pace to break his season record of 25 home runs. It's a tough lineup. Then you look at that bullpen. This team has got more one-run wins than any team in baseball. A lot of people will say that that's luck. Well, I say that when you have a shutdown closer like Edwin Diaz, and you've added to that with your eighth inning guys in Colomay and the guys that are kind of in the middle right there, I think that has a lot to do with them getting those one-run wins. And then they've also learned how to win those games late with an offense with a lot of guys who know how to hit that fastball. So if they can get that starter out, if they can get to those relievers, if it's all about velocity right now, if it's all about that fastball, they have no problem with that. And so I think you put all of that together, and somehow right now you know, they've been either in first place or within a game for the last two weeks. Shannon, I covered Scott Service in Chicago when he was a catcher with the Cubs. I was a beat guy, I think, for three years when he got here. And I just always thought of him as very old school, very serious about his craft, very dedicated to the game of baseball. And I'm struggling to think of him as a guy who would embrace analytics. But you have a GM who's seriously into that. So how is that working? Yeah, he embraced it a long time ago, and they kind of, it's a neat story where they, Jerry Dakota and Scott Service ran into each other on training tables in the Rockies organization, kind of both towards the ends of their careers. And uh, I think with Scott, I think it was a way that he realized, and I think it's with more and more players, and I think you see this quite a bit. It's really funny. It's There are a lot of old school guys out there, and it's hard to bring over to the analytical side. And you see it with broadcasters. And all of a sudden, the more numbers that get put in front of them, the more it makes sense. And it's not that anybody's reinvented anything or is doing anything differently, really. It's it's just, for the most part, a different language. And I think that once they get that, uh, they go with it. And uh, I think that, you know, baseball has always been about percentages. 
And uh, that's what the Mariners are doing and what a lot of organizations are right now. And it's kind of managing by the numbers. You you don't have, you know, Seattle, of course, had Lou Pinelli. You guys know him. And he was all about managing from the gut. And you just rarely, rarely have that with the majority of managers now that are kind of newer school. And it's because, you know, when you play 162 games and you got to get to about that 600%, uh, you've got a little bit of room that, okay, so, you, you know, if it doesn't work out this time, it's probably going to work out the next time. And I think that Scott, you know, when they when they met on that training table in Colorado, that's when uh, they kind of both were kind of getting into it a little bit. They were spending time with people from Colorado's front office who were down there quite a bit and learning about it. And then, of course, he went over to Anaheim, and that's kind of where it all kicked in. But, no, he's very much, uh, you know, he knows the numbers, he uses the numbers, he trusts the numbers, and he believes in them. But I think that's what what's really great is what you hit on is that he does have that old school in him, and so he can relate to the players, be it the younger kids who are going to their performance you know, their performance centers in the off season and they're completely into the numbers and they're completely into the spin rate and they're using the track man and everything that they do to some of the older players that are kind of more field guys. And I think he's got all of those bases covered. Uh, Shannon here, uh, Theo Epstein and nationally he's viewed as a numbers guy. Well, he's a numbers guy. They've got all the analytics and, and you brought up the different sort of players that Jerry DePoto is looking for. Um, but with the Cubs, they also stress makeup and character a lot. What sort of things does DePoto stress that might surprise us? You know, that's that's a good question. I mean, they do say that they, they are into the character guys. And if you look at everybody in that clubhouse, this is, what, the 20th year that I've covered on a part-time basis, the 17th on a full-time basis. This is probably easily one of the top two clubhouses I have ever covered. So, you know, without going out and stating what it is, and I don't think they're going to go out and get a bad guy at this point. Um, uh, he's, he's put that kind of group together and now he talks, I guess he does talk about it a little bit, but better about, you know, kind of the character of Denard Span is, is a very solid individual who, you know, he's got a couple of foundations on his own. He's a community guy, but he also is known as a good clubhouse guy. And I think that that's something that DePoto looks for. He looks for a guy that has got some experience, um, that perhaps has been, uh, in the playoffs and can share that with a group that hasn't. Um, that is somebody that is a little bit of a leader and is going to come into a clubhouse and not be shy about taking guys under their wing. I think kind of along those lines, perhaps that's something they do. But, you know, now that I think about it, maybe there is a shift because I remember remember a couple of years ago when they were saying, oh, you got to have somebody with an edge in that clubhouse. There's got to be a bad guy to keep them on their toes. I don't see that now, and they're certainly not emphasizing it. She's Shannon Dreyer. She covers the Mariners for 710 ESPN in Seattle, visiting with us right now on Hit and Run as we try to discover what it is about the Seattle Mariners that makes any sense. Um, Shannon, the uh, the James Paxton thing is is fascinating. He has a chance to be really, really good. Where do you think he is in his development right now? I think he's listening to that ace level and i'm a believer that not every team has an ace i know some people think that i think they're two different levels every team has a number one but i think there's only a handful of true aces in in baseball and i think that uh it's been a heck of a process he's had some delivery changes that have helped he's always had kind of you know the raw stuff he's always had a 95 to 97 mile an hour fastball and when he changed his delivery a couple of years ago he could you know even pick up 98 to occasionally a hundred from him, but he's learned how to pitch. Um, you know, the mental side I think is, is 
pretty much been there, but that's something that Scott has helped him along with. But he's uh, Paxton has been an intense focus guy, and that sometimes got him into trouble out on the hill. And Scott Service is like, you've got to show some emotion out there. That's and so not- funny coming from Scott Service. That's so <laughs> funny, Shannon. He's the most serious guy I ever met in a clubhouse. I never saw him smile. Does he smile now? He's great. I think we all kind of evolve and learn. And he's, he's he's definitely on the other end of that now. He definitely is not afraid to smile. But his point to that was, was even if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your teammates because your teammates react to that little glove punch every now and then. So, you know, that's something that they thought helped with Paxton. Injury history is obviously something, and thankfully none of them have been serious. Most of them have been small or dumb. And uh, I think that that is something that's kept him from being in that absolute top tier. Um, but uh, I think he is, you know, to the point where everything is together. I think he's confident in what he has. He's confident in his delivery. I think he's got great veteran experience out there. And, you know, I think he is to the point now where he's on the field. And if he's making the starts for a length of a season, you know, that's who he is now. According to Fangraph's war, Gene Segura is a top 10 player in baseball. Uh, can he keep yes. this up? Is this sustainable? I think so. And the thing about Gene Segura is he's so far under the radar that when the Mariners got him, he comes over and it's like, you know, we're scrambling. Okay, National League, who is this guy? Oh, he won a batting title. Well, that must be a fluke. It just happened. And he comes over, he hits 300 last year, and you think, okay, he just had a really good year. That was his you know, career year or again. You know, things happen. And he's on pace to do it again. So I don't doubt it because he's got it in his history. And he, more than anybody, has stepped up since Robinson Cano went out. Robinson Cano is his best friend. He says Robinson saved his life. I don't know how much you know of Gene Segura's story, but when he was with the Brewers, he lost his nine-month-old son. He almost gave up baseball, and uh, he's asked a friend uh, for help once, and they said, I think you need to talk to Robinson Cano. And he got Robbie's number, called him, and Robbie invited him, come train with me. And he spent the rest of that off season with Robbie. And he said that this is a guy that's not, you know, he's helped me as a man. He's helped me as a baseball player. He helped me stay in baseball. He loves Robinson Cano. And, you know, he's always been a little bit of a player, but with Robbie out, he's stepped up. He's put it on his shoulders. His personality has come out a little bit more. He is so fun to watch hit. Uh, His hands are, are just so fast and you know we watch him down there he can cover the zone like anybody and, and he sees pitches I mean he doesn't strike out a lot either he's got a little bit of poppy at like one that was 435 feet the other night after he made an error and it was just you know the greatest thing it looked like okay now I'm, I'm even again um we haven't seen somebody put bat on ball like him since Ichiro in you know kind of his prime so it's been a lot of fun to watch i think he can i I think this is who he is at the plate i think he is an extremely gifted hitter was anyone visibly upset after the cano news not visibly but i heard that behind the scenes uh kind of the emotions and and it it, it, there was a full range they had a, a meeting in the clubhouse afterwards and they talked through it and um, you know, everybody came out, and we support Robbie. We love him. He's our teammate. Um, but I, I heard that there was, you know, there was some anger behind closed doors. Now, I don't know if that was anger that he was suspended for what guys were saying was, you know, something that he shouldn't have been, or if it was anger that he was a teammate that just kind of put their season on the line doing what he did. Shannon, we really appreciate the time. Um, Before we let you go, do you think this thing has staying power, and what do the Mariners need in order to, I won't say compete with the Astros, because I don't think anybody 
anybody in that division will, but at least have a shot at a playoff spot. Well, it's funny because everybody keeps saying that, but the Mariners have been competing with the Astros for over two months right now. And my fear with the Astros is is the minute they go out and they get a good closer type, they're going to be a different team. So I kind of write that down that that's going to happen. They probably are going to finish first, but the Mariners are competing against them much better than they have in a long, long time. Uh, Yeah, I think they have staying power uh, because of what I see in front of me with this team and because of what I see around them right now. You know, it's, it's a different year this year. There are teams that kind of cashed it out early or even before the season began. And when you look up at the wild card standings, uh, you see, you know, New York or Boston, whoever's in first or second. Uh, then you see whoever is second in the AL West. And then you see who is third and fourth in the AL West as well. And uh, Detroit's behind them. I don't see Detroit making a huge run. Uh, Minnesota, are they going to be able to turn it on a little bit? Or Tampa? Well, Tampa's not going to go out and add. They're not going to spend money. So I think the chips are falling in the right direction for this Mariners team right now. Um, And what they need to add, I I think at this point you are adding not to get to the playoffs, but you are adding for the playoffs. So uh, I would say that they are probably looking to add a a top-tier starting pitcher or, you know, something slightly below that can they get that with what they have in prospects probably not i say that but every time you say that jerry depoto goes and makes another trade for players that help this team greatly with what is said to be the worst farm system in baseball so i don't know how accurate that is um he may look to beef up the bullpen i mean they're very comfortable going out there with starters saying give us all you got for five innings and we'll make up the difference there so I think what we will ultimately see is he's going to make the impact where he feels it is going to most help the team with what is available to him. It's not going to be, I'm going to get a starter, I'm going to get a reliever, or I'm going to get a bat. It's going to you know, be whatever he can get that's going to get them uh, the most in far, you know, as far as runs go. Shannon, thanks so much for your time. Uh, we're going to have to chase you down sometime later this summer if this thing keeps up. All right, I think we're going to be talking then. (laughs) Thank you, Shannon. Have a good day. Okay, you too. Shannon Dreyer from 710 ESPN in Seattle. All right, I'm I'm offering an apology to the Mariners. All right. (laughs) Okay. You know, sometimes it does happen, and and we've said before, uh, those one-run victories aren't always sustainable, but sometimes it happens for an entire season, and then you see it go the other way the next year. Well, It does happen. Remember Texas, was that two years ago? Was that 2015 Texas that had that ridiculous record in one-run games and then got to the postseason, and that was that. And we just kept – we laughed about it all year like, this can't go on, this can't go on, and it did all year. So much does not make sense here. (sighs) So I just look at the roster. I know. And well, look at Mitch Haniger. I mean, you you could pick, you could pick five guys. I mean, the Gene Segura thing. His last month. I mean, come on, three forty three. The last month. The Insane. I mean, you could pick five guys and go. That's that's just I. But you know, so who was great last year in one run games? The Royals were really good. <laughs> well, they were twenty five and sixteen. The Mariners were good last year, twenty six and fifteen. What I mean, sometimes it's normal. Sometimes it's an indication of a of just a, a lockdown bullpen, bullpen. Sure. and a team that plays great defense. Yeah, but it's just I mean we we know it's not sustainable. No, it's going to come crashing the other way. Is that just a is, matter of when? So when that happens, is that it for them? 
I think so. Yeah, two years. Here it is. The year the Cubs won the World Series. Texas was thirty six and eleven in one run games. <laughs> that's, wow, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that might be. Is that, that? And the Twins were awful that year, and they were fifteen and twenty nine. You go, uh, Joe. Would you please uh, do the Wolves read? Because Eli is just—he's waving and he's screaming and he's talking to me, and you can't hear him for some reason. Our interview with Shannon was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The Wolves are making big plans for their 25th anniversary. Get your season tickets now and receive exclusive benefits. Visit ChicagoWolves.com or call 1-800-THE-WOLVES. Do you think it's an issue with our equipment, or do you think it's the person using the equipment? Pressing the wrong button? (laughs) Yes. I will take the latter. You're a great person, Jim. What what about your pick? What's your pick? I I can do whatever I want. It's Father's Day. What's your pick? (laughs) If I were a betting man? Yeah, which you are. What's your bet? I'd put that at six to five on the ladder. <laughs> Unreal. It's justify again. Eli's justify. Oh, you'd be you'd you'd throw a party if you could get six to five on justify. All right, we gotta take a break. <laughs> Poor Eli. Eli, what's the weather in DC today? It's the only thing I ask you for every week, and you don't have it ready, do you? No, he's looking it up. It's the only thing I asked you for. Oh, really? You had I, one job. the only question. I got Minneapolis. Can we switch it from D.C. to why, Minneapolis? Why is it? Are you serious? Minneapolis is up there again? Yeah, we got Chicago and Minneapolis. What's D.C. The, is gone. Minneapolis is bookmarked. Yeah. Who is? <laughs> Change okay, I, it. I need to know this. Like, who needs to know what the weather is in Minneapolis? No, it's just somebody trolling other producers that are going to sit there because at some point, <laughs> most days, the weather will be searched on that computer and they will relate to the person on the air. So I'm sure it's somebody trolling. <laughs> Positive. Right? What do you think, Eli? That's, sure. Knowing this place? That sounds exactly like, like this. If place. you stay logged in on Twitter and one of the computers, oh. there's going to be trouble. Yeah. Yeah, then then someone's going to tweet something you could get fired for. Yeah, like a long, lot of things. Yeah. Or you just start retweeting <laughs> the weirdest people under the other person's account. That's been known to happen. All right, I have the weather up now. Why are you laughing? <laughs> That's very funny. That's why it's a I'm good laughing. Call. It's a good call. That's very funny. Who's responsible for that? Do you want to name names? Like who does that kind of thing? I'll take you back. I was just going to say, one of them may be hosting noon to four today. And it's not Herb. (laughs) And he's white. (laughs) Yes. Do you need another hint? I'd say that (laughs) narrows it down pretty good. It's not quite 21 questions. So you don't have the D.C. weather today? I got it now. Just hot and humid? 86 degrees. What's the dew point? Oh, jeez. Just give yeah, me a second here. Yeah, <laughs> Look at my guy, Philip, there. Let's take He's a doing break. great, too. Yeah, Phil celebrated after... He threw uh, the golf ball into the crowd. After making par on 13, he celebrated, threw his hands in the air, played to the crowd, threw a ball to the crowd. Lovable guy. He's a good man. He's just... He's so disgusting, it's <laughs> beyond words. He's so phony, it is beyond words. I don't even know where... How many at. athletes can you say that about? A lot. To be honest. A lot. All right, let's take a break. we got to get back to the Cubs and White Sox. We'll do that next. Robert Wool, top of the hour on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 
big league hitters are going to light you up like a pinball machine for a while. Don't worry about it. You be cocky and arrogant, even when you're getting beat. It's a secret. You got to play this game with fear and arrogance. Fear and ignorance. No. Fear and arrogance. All right? You hayseed, not ignorance. Oh, no, I know. I just like seeing you get over it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you until noon. Coming up top of the hour, Robert Wolf from Bull Durham, 11.30. Bruce Levine taking your calls at 312-644-6767. Rob Manfred met with the owners this week. A lot of different things discussed. They talked about rule changes. They talked about the DH. They talked about expansion. I don't know if realignment came up, but if you're talking expansion, you got to talk realignment. I don't I don't know if any conclusions were if they came to any this week but I do know this changes are coming. Now expansion's happening, right? Just so everybody knows it's probably going to go from 30 to 32. There's got to be a team in Vegas. It's just a question of of when. I mean yeah. they uh, all these leagues it's just all. they all blew it. They all blew it. There was so much land on the strip years ago. Well not the NFL amazing they didn't even build it on the strip it's amazing and not the nhl well the nhl that was perfect they played it the best and it's right on the strip well, that's the point it's in the middle it's of it it's right there yeah you walk right past it you go hey the rink is right there it's, it's just amazing. Po- it's like everything in vegas it just pops up when you yeah. turn a corner yeah you're just like, walking whoa. you're walking down you're like no idea the rink is right here it's right off the strip it's and it's perfect. a party but this could have been done 20 30 years ago they all pretended they couldn't and it's nonsense. Yeah. Vegas will have a baseball team. It's just a question of whether it's going to be part of the, the next expansion. Harper my guess, and Chris Bryant will go there. My guess is it will be. <laughs> yes. One of the things they talked a lot about were shifts. This was, uh, this was Rob Manfred on the effect of shifts. The outcome, if you will, of shifts is an interesting point. I do think that people believe, and I think there's evidence to support that it's affected batting averages. Um, I think there's some new thinking. It's kind of actually been in published articles that it it, it may actually be increasing walks, um, which is kind of an offsetting trend. That's, um, That's a weird conclusion to come to. And maybe there's, I mean, maybe they have evidence to back that up. I don't think you, I don't think you should legislate shifts. He does because I, it's better. It gets what he wants. He wants more offense. And I agree with you. I think uh, if you're smart, look, I don't think you should be penalized for being smart. If you want to shift and you believe that's a good way to get out, I don't believe you should be penalized for that. I think it's on the hitter and I think it's on the offense to adjust and to take advantage of it. Agree 100%. So why would you reward the hitters for failing to adjust? But he you know, he brought up some points about, well, it's been going on this long and the hitters are not adjusting. It doesn't mean you go run and, and change the rules. How are you on meeting in the middle? Not banning shifts, eliminating shifts, but saying, okay, you can't have three infielders on one side of the field. I don't like it. I mean, I I I, I just believe too. I I believe that you know you're. I don't think you should legislate against intelligence. 
Okay? And if you force a team to come out strategy. On, if you force a team to come out of a shift, then they'll come out of the shift. You know, and in the meantime, I, I I don't think a team should be penalized for that. There's a lot of things you can do to get more balls in play, among them capping the number of pitchers you can have on a staff. You'll also, in the process, as I said before, teach starters how to pitch again. Now they just come out, it's max effort from pitch one. Here's all my stuff. Here's my curveball. Here's my slide up, slider. Here's my change. Here's my cutter. Here's everything. First hitter of the game. Here's everything. I'm going to go max effort for 90 pitches. If I'm out after four, then that's it. And then we're going to come in with guys who are throwing, you know, hellacious sliders with ridiculous spin rates and fastballs at, at 98. And we're going to give you five of those guys. Well, that's why there's no balls in play. But if you take away the number of pitchers on a staff and you limit it to 10 or 11, then you're, you're going to see more action. You're going to see more baseball. I criticize uh, Rob Manfred a lot, maybe not as much as you, but a lot. Uh, something I do like is in this meeting this week with this committee, that the 16-man committee he put together, he said, bring ideas. Told all of them, just, just bring ideas. I like that. Doesn't mean anything's going to change, but let's talk about everything. Let's, let's put everything on the table. Uh, Theo Epstein was there. Theo Epstein, part of this. Joe Girardi, um, the manager on the other side, this weekend, Mike Matheny is a part of this. Your guy, Sandy Alderson, Jerry DePoto, we were just talking about him. It's a good cross with, with, the, with the Mariners. Yeah, all sorts, all sorts of different people are involved. And last week, I talked about the reaction that a lot of Cubs fans ha- had, and they had the same reaction last night. Oh, no, John Smoltz is on the game. John Smoltz is as good as any analyst out there. If not, if I'm wrong, name three better. Because I'll be waiting for a very long time. I don't know what people are talking about, but when he talks about changes in the game, changes coming, you should listen because Smoltz was a part of this. He was in the room and he was bringing ideas. Yeah, I don't really understand the dislike of John Smoltz. I don't either. I think he's brilliant. And I don't agree with everything that he says, but I think think he's brilliant. Fine. And, you know, at least he's got ideas. All right, let's get to a break. Coming up next, Robert Wool will continue this discussion in the next hour. On hit and run on the score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.